Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Friday, September the 3rd. Uh, wherever you are, uh, whenever you listen to this, uh, I wish you God's grace, God's life, God's mercy, God's goodness. Uh, it is good that you are, are here today to open God's word with me. Uh, I'm grateful, um, not because you're here with me listening to what I say. I'm grateful that you are here uh, to bring yourself in front of the God's word, the gospel today, and see where the Holy Spirit uh, can lead you and I. Uh, on a feast day today, by the way, we celebrate the feast of St. Pope Gregory the Great. And we're going to speak a little bit about Gregory and his importance because it was an incredibly important role, uh, what he played in the life of the church. He was the right man at the right place at the right time. Gosh, all three. So today we are going to read the gospel. Was very, oh, tempted, let's say, to read the first reading today, Colossians 1, starting at uh, verse 15, because verse 15 is one of my favorite verses. I might find a way to weave it in here, not sure. But uh, we're going to read the gospel, which is Luke chapter 5. Again, we skipped a couple of pieces in between yesterday's reading um, and, uh, and today's. So uh, we missed, I think, uh, the call of Matthew. We missed Jesus reaching out and healing a leper. Uh, but we are going to hear Jesus' dialogue uh, with the scribes and the Pharisees. So it'll be Luke chapter 5, verses 33 to 39. So let's open ourselves, invite the Holy Spirit within our ears, within our minds, within our hearts, uh, and say, okay, Lord, what do you have for us today in God's word? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The scribes and Pharisees said to Jesus, The disciples of John the Baptist fast often and offer prayers, and the disciples of the Pharisees do the same, but yours eat and drink. Jesus answered them, Can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come, and when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. And he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new cloak to patch an old one. Otherwise, he will tear the new, and the piece from it will not match the old cloak. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be ruined. Rather, new wine must be poured into fresh wineskins. And no one who has been drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And like often, I've got uh, a couple of points I want to make, then I'll, I'll get to uh, St. Pope Gregory the Great talk a little bit about his life. Um, so let's start with the first here. So Jesus is dialoguing with the scribes and the Pharisees. They're, I'll, I'll say they're disgruntled. They're, they're not confrontational like they can be, and we have seen in the, in the recent past, right? But they're simply saying, hey, come on, man. The disciples of John the Baptist, they fast. They fast often and, and offer prayers. Our own disciples do the same. 
but yours eat and drink. What's going on? So a couple of things to, to talk about here. The first is notice that Jesus having disciples, having followers, following his teachings, his way of life, his understanding of, of God, that was not abnormal at the time. John the Baptist had them. The Pharisees had them. And Jesus had them. But they're wondering, why are yours acting differently than ours or John's? And he says to them, listen. And he uses again that imagery, right? We've, we've talked about it a number of times recently. That imagery of, of the banquet, of the bridegroom, of a wedding feast. He says, hey, can the guests fast while the bridegroom is present? Those days are going to come. Those days are coming. When fasting will be appropriate. But right now is the day of celebration. The bridegroom is present. So I guess my first point here is this, brothers and sisters. Is today for you a day of fasting or is it a day of celebration? And I think we, you and I, have to discern that, right? And maybe it's not even a question of, is today a day of celebration or a day of fast? Maybe it's, is this moment a, day of, or a moment of celebration or is it a moment of fast? Because the moment, you know, an hour or two or later on this afternoon or this evening, that may be different. Um, and, and there are seasons in our lives that are, are seasons of fasting, and there are seasons in our lives that are days of feasting, that are days of celebration. And, and we need not um, be solemn or, or somber, but, but filled with joy, filled with God's goodness. Oh, this gives me a chance to bring my favorite verse from, from Colossians in here, which is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15, verse 15, and it simply says this, Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Brothers and sisters, when we chew on that, and I want you to chew on it because I want to chew on it too, Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Brothers and sisters, if you find yourself on your lesser days, I say that because I know it's true of me. I don't want to cast this at you. But on your lesser days, when we may be fearful of God, or we've got an image that God is, is not on our side, or that God is, is, you know, watching us and may be displeased with this, that, or the other thing. Who knows what? I want you to remember this verse. Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So who, okay, if that is true, and it is true, Paul is 100% correct, if, if, okay, we've never seen God, we know that, but we've seen Christ Jesus, and what did he look like? And was it really true that he reached out to those lepers who were um, sequestered from the rest of the community and had to yell, unclean, unclean, whenever they came close? And what does that do to a psyche that says, this is who I am, I am unclean? We have those voices too, right? We don't have to yell it in a crowded place. We have those voices in us that tell us unclean. Joe, you're unclean. Or Barb, you're unclean. 
Brothers and sisters, our God didn't let that stop, stop him from coming close. We know that because Christ Jesus touched them and drew them in and sent them to the priest as the gatekeeper to entering back into the community. And he didn't stay away from other people who were at at odds with the community, such as tax collectors. Heck, he called them and said, Matthew, be, be one of my disciples, be one of my followers. Or Zacchaeus, come down from that tree because I need to have supper with you. Or woman caught in adultery, where are your accusers? They've gone away, sir. Well, neither do I accuse you. Brothers and sisters, the only people, I will literally say this now, and, and, and I, might need, I, I might come back and you can nail me on this if I'm wrong, but the only people that I think Jesus gave the Dickens to were the Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, who thought they knew everything about God and didn't, they didn't open themselves to this new idea and understanding of God that he brought. They were the ones, the Pharisees, or excuse me, the tax collectors didn't have a problem, or or the prostitutes or the lepers, or the displaced, or the ones that knew they, they needed. Yeah. If Jesus, brothers and sisters, is the image of the invisible God, if Paul is true and he is, he is correct, it is true, that is cause for celebration. That is a season for it when we chew on that. And in our own loneliness, remember God does not keep me lonely. He doesn't, in my despairing, he does not let me despair. Brothers and sisters, that is the best news we'll hear all day. When we feel isolated, alone, depressed, on, on, on the doorstep of, of sorrow, our God is present with us and doesn't let us sit there in isolation. He invites us back to community. He invites us back and and reminds us that that voice that says unclean, unclean, that's not the voice we listen to. But here's my point. That was all a tangent so I could get in first Colossians, huh? Here's my point. I think in our modern society, we're not a people who fast well. You know, those... Uh, in the generation before me, grew up in a Catholic church that did fast every Friday, not just Fridays and Lent, every Friday. But even that could become routine or rote, and we could get our, our ways around it. But I think we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, forgive the cliche, um, when we throw out that idea of fasting. I think there is something to be gained within that. Um, because we are a, a we live in a generation. We live in a, a time where if we can dream it and we can think of it and we want it, we want it now. And we want those dreams, you know, now. And we want that vision, you know, to be enhanced and, and to, be, to be lived out now. And I think fasting is that discipline which says, just because I can have something now, just because something is available to me, doesn't mean it's good for me. And I don't just mean, you know, is this television show or movie or is this video on this phone or is my phone itself? Are these things good for me now? I think there are times, 
brothers and sisters, fasting from our phones, fasting from some of the content on those phones, fasting some, from some of the videos or the things on television or movies or, or, or music. Or whatever. I think there's a time for all of that. But I'm not just talking about that. I think we have to ask ourselves, is this good for me? Is this idea that I have that I want to go forward, is it time to do that now? Or is it a time to say, Lord, in your time? Just because I can go out and have this meal, should I do that? Just because I can spend money on this item, is that wise? Or even beyond those things, brothers and sisters, is this attitude I carry within me, does this serve me? Does this serve the community? Does this serve the reign of God? Are these words that I have within me, do they serve the larger community? Do they serve the people in my parish or in my family? Do these friendships that I have, they, they had a season. Do they continue to serve my life, the life of my family, the life of the other person? Brothers and sisters, I think that's the question that we need to be asking is, just because I can have it all, do I need to have it all at this moment? Doesn't mean there won't be another moment down the road where I ask that and I answer yes, but maybe the answer is no today. And that I set something aside. And that's okay because maybe it, it, it reminds me of how important or how good it was and I'll come to it again. Or maybe I simply grieve it and say, that season of life is closed and how good it was but that's no longer who I am now or where I am now or what I need now. I think, brothers and sisters, there are moments and seasons in our life. There are moments and seasons in our day. There are moments and seasons in a year when fasting is probably the most appropriate thing for us. And it, it serves us healthily, emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. And there are times of celebration when we realize, oh, we are called to relationship. We are called to this thing or this idea or this attitude. What is today? What is today? Is it a moment of celebration? Is the bridegroom present? Or is it a moment of fasting and waiting on God? Second point, gosh, that was long. And, and this just tells me this will be a longer one. I'm sorry. I hope that's okay. Um, second point, I love this idea that Jesus talks about, you know, the, the old cloak and the new cloak, or the old wine and the new wine. And it's an obscure parable and, and teaching, but basically, to me, it's saying, hey, is there something new? Does Jesus have something new for us? Or do we know it all? You know, I, I love, I love, that the first word in Mark's gospel that Jesus brings to the people, he's all about, and in Mark's gospel, it's, it's, he's, he's on a mission. He is not wasting time, and he is about bringing the reign of God uh, to the people now, now. And what is his first word for that? Repent repent. And I think often in our, in our society, in our culture, in our, in our place today, we can hear that as a word of penance. Repent because you're a sinner and you got to repent of those sins. And I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. 
Although there's a place for that. I'm not, I'm not saying there's not. I think what he's saying is turn around. Think differently. The places you are seeking God, those places you are seeking life, those places you are seeking happiness and joy, turn around from them. Repent. God is not there. Life is not there. It is elsewhere. And we've been traveling and going through the old routines, and we got to stop that because we got to think and look and act differently because our God is found elsewhere. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here is, is you know, if, if Augustine, if Augustine, one of the, the, you know, giants in our church can say, God, you are ever ancient, ever new, meaning you are ever ancient and you do not change and your roots are deeper than we can even imagine, but you are ever new, not meaning that you change, but God, you are ever bigger than we can even imagine. And there are aspects of you we can't even comprehend and we have not come to yet. Brothers and sisters, what Augustine is inviting us to is the fact that we have not arrived at a conclusion of God. And if we have, blow it up because we are not there. And Jesus is saying that. He's saying that if you think you know who I am, if you think you know who God is, throw that out because God is ever ancient and he is ever new. He is bigger than our containers that we are holding him in. And we have to get new containers for him. Now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to credit Richard Rohr with this, he says there is a difference between the container and the contents. We don't throw the contents out. The contents are Jesus Christ. The contents are our God and, and who we know God to be and the truths we know God to carry with him. We don't throw those out. But the container that carries them, how we approach them, how we understand them, maybe they are ultimately bigger than we have given them credit for. And we need to rethink that and say, do I understand Jesus when he says, love one another as I have loved you, or the Beatitudes, or what it means that he reaches out to the lost and forsaken and lonely? Do I have the nth degree of what that means, or is there more there? Can I... Can I, you know, delve into the depths of what that is? Because it holds more jewels there than I have come to. And I need to, to, to make that container bigger. And do I understand the Hebrew scriptures in their fullness? Or do they contain a God that is much larger, much larger than I can even imagine? Brothers and sisters, what Jesus is saying is, yes, they contain a largesse that we have not even begun to scratch. Our God, brothers and sisters, cannot be contained. He cannot be contained in old wineskins or new because it's going to burst forth. We can't patch an old cloak with something new. It's going to look odd. Both of them are going to be ripped. What we have to do is make way for somebody who is larger. And yes, that is not only us individually. It is us as a church. The church And it even says this about itself. So this is not Joe being a heretic. The church ever, ever is in need of reform. Why? Because the culture changes. And if we're trying to teach as a church a culture that from 50 years ago that in our mind 
is, is, you know, we're trying to teach in the same way they did 50 years ago, but the culture has changed now, and we're still teaching in a way 50 years old. It's falling on deaf ears. We need to reform ourselves in how we teach, in how we bring the Word of God. It ever needs to be in reform because it has not arrived at the end. It has not arrived on the shore of God yet. God is ever bigger. And we need to be humble in that sense that says, God, you are more. And Lord have mercy, Joe Zenk has not reached the nth degree in the end of, of God either. This is only contributing to the small. I'm throwing a pebble in the ocean here. And God is bigger. We need to approach that humbly. And say, brothers and sisters, the church is ever in need of, of reform. That we have not. And so don't, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, this is the way we've always done it. Throw this verse at him. Throw this verse at him. The question that we have to ask is, is it serving the people today? Because if it is, amen, good, great. But if it is not, then we need to look at ourselves and Say, how do we present these contents? Because these contents are gold. How do we present them in a new way that this culture, this generation, can understand the jewels within them? That is our, that is our task, brothers and sisters. That's what Jesus is saying. And remember, it's always beyond us. Always. So don't even ourselves figure we've got it. We need to come humbly and repent in the best sense of that word, turn around because that our understanding of God over here, oh, God is bigger. God is bigger because he's back there and he's over there and he's over there. And our schemes for happiness that used to work for our first 50 years of life, maybe we need to rethink them because there's more. Gosh, I've talked long, but St. Gregory deserves more than I'm going to give him. Here's the deal. He lived uh, in the 500s going into the, er, into the 600s. Uh, why is that important? Because Rome was under constant attack. Uh, and, uh, and it was the empire, the empire of which in his first 30 years, Gregory was a part of. He was a prefect and he walked away from it uh, and started on his estate, which I'm sure was a huge estate, he started six monasteries on that estate. He himself became a Benedict, Benedictine monk, monk, and the Pope loved him so much. Uh, the Pope was so impressed with him that he ordained him a priest. He was one of the seven main helpers to the Pope. He was an ambassador over to the church in the east, which is Constantinople. And remember, that schism doesn't come for it till 1054, maybe another 450 years down the road. But that that divide between the East and the Western Church in Rome and Constantinople, oh, it was present already. He was very present. And he sent Gregory over there as an ambassador to try to heal that division. And of course, they ultimately came back and said, oh, we need just Pope. And the important thing he did there wasn't just keep the Lombards. That was the, uh, the, the attacking horde from the North. And the Lombards, you know, I get the Huns. They sound they sound nasty. The goth, they sound nasty. The Visigoths, yeah. But the Lombards? Man, I think I want to have wine, a glass of wine with the Lombards. Either that or watch him coach a football team in northern Wisconsin. But the Lombards? Anyway, they were a nasty bunch. And they were attacking Rome in the, in the mid-6th century. 
in the late sixth century, and they were the the uh, the the enemy at the gates. And Gregory Gregory was a firm man. He he was a kind man, uh, but he went out of the gates and met with the king of the Lombards. And he emptied the treasuries of the Vatican and gave them for prisoners that the Lombards took. The treasury wasn't just for for his own you know gain. It was for the lives of people, and he set them free. He, uh, the, the Jewish people at the time were being uh, tormented and were being persecuted, and he, and he stepped up on behalf of them. Uh, he, he helped those in a plague. He got rid of priests who were not living their priestly vow well. Uh, he wrote a book that bishops even to this day on how, how, what a bit good bishop looks like. But here's the thing that he did more than anything else. When Rome and the Roman Empire fell, which was right at this moment and, and into the next centuries, it fell and, and could have fallen and brought all of Europe, by the way, with it into a state of chaos. But it was the church, particularly the medieval papacy, that held Europe together in its feudalistic state. And Gregory was the father of that. It, it, it's... We can only imagine what chaos and confusion Europe would have lived in in these dark ages had it not been for the medieval papacy at the time that was the bridge between when Rome fell in the 500s to when Charlemagne took it over in the mid to late 700s. That 200-year gap when Charlemagne then ultimately came and put together the, the Holy Roman Empire. And yes, we can sit here and say, gosh, it's when church and state were merged too closely. But the bottom line is it had to be at that moment for it to survive. Not only Europe to survive, but the church to survive. And Gregory is the father of that. He is one of the four. Now, there are about 30-some doctors of the church, but he is one of what's called the four key doctors of the church, along with Ambrose, Augustine, and Jerome. He's an amazing man, and so we invite his prayer today. I've talked longer than I meant to. Bless you all. Let's pray, though, and, uh, and ask not only Mary to pray with and for us, uh, but Gregory to pray with and for us as well. And so we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fifth joyful mystery, uh, the finding of Jesus in the temple at the age of 12. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Gregory, pray for us. My friends, have a wonderful Friday, a wonderful weekend. May God's blessings, God's presence, God's goodness be with you. And I look forward to us breaking open more of God's word in Luke's gospel next week. God's peace.